Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Thank you for your warm welcome. I just, I love you guys and I, I appreciate all that you've done for Reconciliation Ministries and my own family as, as well. And uh, it's just a blessing to be here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your mercy and thank you for all that you've done, Lord, in our lives and all that you've done in the lives of our family. Lord, we want to thank you ahead of time for all that you're going to do in the lives of our family and loved ones because we know that you're not done yet. So, Father, I pray that today you would help us each see our own personal role, our own harvest field, our own calling that you have for each one of us here, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, we're called to be your sons and your daughters, but Lord, you also have more for us. So help us to learn what that is today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And I love the scriptures that you're using for your, your missions month. When uh, Brother Barry told me that it was Matthew 9, 35 to 37, I got really excited because that was some of the verses the Lord shared with me to call me into ministry at Reconciliation Ministries back when he was calling me into this ministry. And I came in here about uh, 2003 as an employee. But Matthew 9, 35 through 37 goes, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And that was one of the scriptures, especially the part where it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And if you think about that as, wait, these are sheep. These aren't really people that, that should be lost. They're sheep. And yet Jesus saw they were harassed and helpless. They were like they had no shepherd. And he began to speak other scriptures to me. And I, I, I'm a picture person. My four-year degree is in TV production. So I saw these pictures of safe places, what should be safe places in our own country and bodies laying around. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Dan, the enemy has crept into places where he should not be. And that's where I'm sending you to help those people. And then I was at another church during a, a sermon one time and they talked about where Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the dead body of Christ. And the Lord said, Dan, I'm sending you to the dead body of Christ. I'm sending you the people whose hearts have stopped beating for me. And I want to move through you. And I want their hearts to start beating for me again. And so thank you. And that's, that's really my harvest field. Where I ask where is your harvest field. That's really one of the harvest field God's called me to. And, and you at Bethesda Christian Church have joined us in that harvest field. You, you guys, I just want to thank you. You guys do missions extremely well. I am very grateful and, and we're very blessed. Thank you for the financial support. That is very, very wonderful. And thank you, especially for the prayer support that we get. It, it's the more I get into this, the more I know. And I'm not just, we really, we need your prayer support because it's, I don't know if you guys listen to the news, but it's kind of crazy out there in, in a lot of ways. So thank you for your prayer support. And thank you to all that have been missions liaisons through the years that you know, I get these calls from Denny every so often. Hey, Dan, how can we pray for you? And, and it was awesome. Dan, hey, we got a table out in the lobby. You're like, wow, I didn't even think of that. Thank you. So I appreciate the things that you guys have done. 
So we all have our mission field. One of the challenges of working at a recovery ministry is I can't share really the stuff that God's done in my office. Man, I wish you guys could be there with me. When the Holy Spirit meets somebody that's in a really, really dark place, and he comes in as only the Holy Spirit can, it is so awesome. And I wish I could share that with you, but I can't because we want to protect confidentiality. But with Living Waters, we have them fill out an evaluation at the end of the program. And by the way, we have a 20-week Living Waters program starting uh, probably the end of October. So Denny and Cassie at the info booth can give you more info about that. It is really good for anyone in the body of Christ, but especially if you're struggling with sexual and relational brokenness, it's a blessing. But I want you to hear some of these things from the evaluation. We have permission to share these. Some of the things from the evaluation, hear them as a thank you from people you'll really never meet until we get into eternity, but hear them as a thank you for all that you've done as co-laborers in the harvest field of reconciliation ministries. And hear these, the first one, Living water saved my marriage. I have seen that healing is real and that change is possible. And through living waters, I learned that I am a survivor and not a victim. And through living waters, I discovered more of who I am in Christ so that I would choose to live for him and not my flesh. I'm free. And I've learned so much about how God can free us from any addiction or habit that we have in our life. God is great and powerful And all things are possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So thank you again. And and, and these are living waters specific, but you would hear these and much even sometimes more intense ones in the individual counseling sessions that you guys help provide. Thank you for touching lives. And I just want to say, if we work with people coming out of sexual abuse or LGBTQ issues, and we help them embrace biblical sexuality and holiness and heterosexual issues. If you have a loved one trapped in the LGBT community, or you have a loved one trapped in drugs or alcohol or substances, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Because this last year for me has been really cool. There are a couple of things that happened, and I can share this one with you. There was a lady that came to me and said, Dan, I need to meet with you. You see, back in the late 90s, I came to Living Waters. And this lady came through Living Waters even before I did. And I came through in 1999. And she said, I lasted about three or four weeks. And then I said, forget it. This is not for me. And I ran out. I got me a girlfriend. And then through the years, she had a long-term partner. And then she ended up getting married. And she said, but Dan, all through this, when I was embracing lesbianism and, and doing my thing, I kept saying, God, please don't give up on me. And then I would go back to sin. And then I would say, God, please don't give up on me. And she went just a few months ago, she went to a place to clear her head that's usually associated with partying and like revelry and like you wouldn't really typically clear your head there, but she went there. And it was cool. Holy Spirit showed up. She was supposed to be there by herself three days doing whatever. And the Holy Spirit showed up and apprehended her heart. And really, I like to say Holy Spirit body slammed her and did a work in her heart. And she left that party place and went to her wife and said, I, I can't do this anymore. I love you, but I've got to follow Jesus. So we're done. And she moved out of the home that they shared and she moved into her own apartment. And she's living for Jesus now. And it's, it's tough, right? I mean, there, there, there are things we're asking these people to come out of that we can't even imagine that are hard to give up. You know, sin, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. 
After that comes a judgment. And so it can be really hard to let go of those pleasures, but she's doing it. So don't ever give up. And I got another phone call a couple months ago by a guy that I had counseled about 10 years ago. And he's like, Dan, I really didn't end well with you. I got really ticked off at you and left and went into the gay life. And, and so I just, I just want to let you know, he had a really pesky, pesky coworker that kept talking to me about this Jesus and wouldn't leave him alone. And I just want you to know, Dan, I, I, I came out of homosexuality. I, I repented and I'm living for Jesus. And thank you for what you've done. See, I I might be the voice in the office, but you guys as our prayer partners, you guys as our financial supporters, you guys as co-laborers have as much of a role in this as I do. We could not do this without you. Our ministry team cannot do this without your support. So thank you. But if you have family members in that place, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. So let me ask you, because you, you have a harvest field as Bethesda Christian Church, which is awesome. You have many harvest fields, and you guys do that well. But we all have a personal harvest field, multiple personal harvest fields. We're not all called to full-time ministry. And let me just say, if you're not called to full-time ministry, whatever you do, don't try and get involved in full-time ministry. All right? And, and, and I'm nothing special, and we'll get into that too. But, you know, just, but you're, you're all, you all know humans, and you all work with someone, and you all have neighbors. You all have people that you love that are walking from Jesus, and you all have people that you really can't stand who may not be walking with Jesus, but they're part of our personal harvest field. So for you, where is that for you? Then he said to his disciples, a harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know what? So we start praying that. You know what happens sometimes? He sends us. Wait, wait, that's not quite what I had in mind. I figured you send somebody else because I really don't like talking to that person. Can you send somebody else? Yeah, I'll send you. Oh, you know, it's those awkward times when you're standing in line at the post office. You know, I was dropping off the newsletters one day. And we're waiting for the, the clerk to come back and wait on us. And there's other guys standing in the room and the, and the Holy Spirit said, tell him that Jesus loves him. Yeah, that's awkward. And really, you know, I'm a ministry guy, right? And like, yeah, that's awkward. No, I, I said to tell him that, uh, that Jesus loves him and ask him if you can pray for him. Yeah, well, um, yeah, you know what? Why fight it? And, and what, I'm not going to tell him Jesus loves him because I'm embarrassed? Well, that's living for the kingdom, not like, okay, this is, this is going to, hey, Jesus, just want you to know Jesus loves you, buddy. And he cares for you. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you. I, I, that, that helps. I needed to hear that today. Okay. Like, okay, well, how can I pray for you? Then it got a little awkward on his part, but you know, let's be willing to, to be fools for Christ, right? And live for the Holy Spirit. Because we have a harvest field and God wants to send us in there. And you might think, yeah, well, I'm not really that special. Look, I'm telling you, I'm not special either. I'm just a regular guy that for whatever reason God called in here. But we all have harvest fields. Romans 12 verses 4 through 8 talks about individual gifts. And I love verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So guys, I'm telling you, in high school... I was raised in the church, but in high school, I was the kid in the backseat of the car when my two friends were talking about religion, thinking, oh, would you guys please 
get onto something exciting? Why do we got to talk about this junk? And I was the guy with a really crass sense of humor. And I was a guy with the rumors flying. And I was a guy that was the emotional basket case. I am no one special. I am just a guy like you, saved by the grace of God. And so that's, that's where we're at. So I want to share with you, how, how do you find out what is your calling? How do you walk into that? How do you live your life for Jesus in the right way? How do we make this work as regular people, warts and all, good, bad, and ugly? And sometimes we feel like we got a whole lot more bad and ugly than we do the good. But how do we make it work? The first thing is really the most critical thing is building that intimate relationship with Jesus. That's our top priority. It's not serving him, although that's important. It's not just doing things for Jesus. It's building that intimate relationship with him. That's the main goal. And if we don't have that as our first and foremost thing in serving Jesus, we're going to get bitter. We're going to get angry. And, and, and I was there. And, and you know, I, I, I get into the ministry and I'm working and I'm like, you know what? I got to the point where I'm thinking it was more about serving God than loving him. And, and, and being a, a, a servant, a slave to Christ than a son and, and an adopted in the, into the beloved. And I started getting mad. Like, you know what? I feel like God made me go through abuse. I had a paranoid schizophrenic mom who sexually abused me. I feel like he made me do all the, you know, he did all this stuff to me so he could heal me and then have me go heal people in ministry. And I said that to my pastor and he's like, yeah, I, th- I think we need to pray about that. Yeah, okay, whatever. But I'm still a little bit ticked off. And then I said it to my prayer partner. And he said, yeah, Dan, I think we need to pray about that. I'm like, okay, two people are saying this. I think we better pray about this. And God began to convict me and, and reshape this. It's like, look, I didn't make these people do those bad things to you. I created you to be my beloved son. And I love you. And I, I don't violate free will. Bad things did happen. However, that all works. That's a whole nother sermon. But Dan, I don't want you just to work for me. I want you to know that I love you and I want you to love me and I want you to be a son. And that changed everything. That changed everything. Yeah, I know we comfort with the comfort we're comforted with. But first and foremost, it's intimate relationship that heals us and we receive that comfort. That's God's main priority. And then out of that comfort, out of that intimate, beautiful relationship comes the fruit of comforting others with the comfort we're comforted with and so it's important to maintain that and it's easy to get busy it's easy to jump around but it's important to maintain that and then after we've started and we continue for the rest of our lives building that intimate relationship then we ask God for a special vision okay Lord who am I as your your special son or daughter Lord give me a vision a burden an understanding of who I am in you a desire in my heart to live the life you've called me to, and I can use that as a goal. And then in addition to that, show me a burden, a vision, a desire to live for you so I can walk towards those things. And what that does is it helps us to let go of the lesser because once we know who we are as a son or a daughter of God, then we can let go of things that get in the way of that. And once we know the direction, our harvest field, our calling, as a man, woman of God, husband, wife, single person, whatever he's calling us to, we can again let go of the lesser. Porn does not help me make that vision. Drinking does not help me reach that vision. 
Sinning does not help me. I can let those things go. Even good things, if I do them to an excess, will take away from my time with God. And that really, really helps. See, when I, when I first got saved, I took that literally. A vision? Okay, I mean, I realize now it can be a burden, a desire, scriptures that we hold on to. But the visual guy, right, TV production, I said, okay, I want to see a vision. Brand new Christian, like, let me see. And God honored my ignorance. He gave me a vision of a purpose, a calling for my life. And that really, really helped. That's why I really teach people, even especially coming out of addiction, find out that vision and walk towards it. And that was so cool. And then I met my wife and we got engaged. And after we got engaged, she said to me one day, Dan, you know how I I called you the man of my dreams? Like, yeah. Well, this is why, see, before I even met you, I had a dream. Really? Yeah, in that dream, this happened. Really? And then I asked, did this and this happen? She said, yeah. And then did this and this happen? Yeah. And then in the end, did this unusual thing happen? Yeah. Wow. God gave my wife a dream that was identical to the vision he gave me before we even met each other. And it comes down to the most important thing, that intimate relationship with God. See, I'm using that as a ministry thing. But God saw my need, right? And he said, okay, this guy that grew up with a paranoid schizophrenic mom that sexually abused him, I was terrified of women. Even when I got married, I was just slightly afraid of women. But initially, I was terrified. God knew that somebody broken like me because of abuse needed reassurance supernaturally from the Holy Spirit that this woman was to be my wife and that she would be safe. And she is an angel. She is my best friend. I'm so thankful for her. But it illustrates the point that God is more important and more worried about us, concerned about us, desires us more than our ministry. And the ministry is to be the fruit to grow out from that. And it's such a beautiful thing. And the next step about this, man, you're, you're probably thinking, Dan, that's great, but I'm not very qualified. Yeah, really? I think we're all pretty qualified. I love this next verse coming up here, which I forgot, but I still love it. First Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Our qualification for calling is our other dependence on Jesus Christ. And him alone, not our own skills. First Corinthians 1, 26, 29. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes of power or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in his presence. No one can boast in the presence of God. Let me tell you, I qualify with a majority in, the, in that verse. I'm not one of the very few who were wise, noble, powerful. Uh-uh. And that's our qualification. We realize our need and our other dependence on God, who alone can do those things in our hearts. And the next thing to realize is God calls us to things way bigger than ourselves. Way bigger than ourselves. And if you look at it, God called the children of Israel to go in and conquer the promised land, right? So they they send in 12 spies and 10 of them are freaking out. And you got Joshua and Caleb saying, no, we got this. They had that vision. They had an intimate relationship with God that that, that empowers us to go through and to hear God when he's calling us to something more, more bigger than we are. And they, they they stayed steady, but those 10 guys that freaked out, they, they lost it. But then if you look at Gideon, 
And, and it was interesting because Gideon freaks out too. Gideon freaked out. It's, it's almost kind of humorous if you read it because this is me and this is probably a lot of us in this room. He's hiding from the Midianites while threshing grain. And then when he gets called, hey, mighty man of valor hiding over there, I want you to go conquer the enemy. Are you kidding? My clan is the weakest. And, and frankly, not only is my clan the weakest, my family, yeah, we're the least in the clan. You got the wrong guy, angel. You got the wrong guy. So, so the, he's like, give me a sign. He makes this big, huge feast. And the angel of the Lord licks up the feast. He consumes the feast. And I'm thinking, you know, if it was us, we, we think, yeah, well, you see a sign like that. Cool. Okay, God, we got this. Let's go. You know what Gideon said? I'm going to die because I saw God. And the angel of the Lord very graciously probably maybe did a face palm, but, you know, probably not because that would be a little bit, you know, but no, dude, seriously, you're not going to die. You're going to be okay. And by the way, I want you to tear down the altars of Baal. Gideon knows the townsfolk could be really, really ticked off at him for tearing down the altar. So he does it at night. And then they come to kill him. And dad talks the, the townspeople out of killing his son, out of killing Gideon. And even with that, it's like, okay, okay, you, you want me to go help deliver Israel? I, I, I'm going to give you two more signs that this is real. So Gideon freaked out too. Gideon had doubts too. But what's the difference between Gideon in those doubts and the 10 spies? Gideon went to the Lord and he said, help. Gideon didn't just write it all off and say, this is not going to happen. Gideon got help from God. And so there will be times where God calls you to something bigger than you, obviously bigger than you, that it will take a supernatural work to pull off. And that happened many times with me. But one of the biggest times was when I realized God's sending me to Thailand for six months. And I was freaking out, folks. And, and I remember being in my own office praying about that and, and kneeling down praying. And I'm thinking at first, yeah, God's going to say, no, you're an idiot. You're never going to make it. Don't even try it. And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I want you to do that. I'm a counselor. I started having a panic attack. I'm serious. At least, okay, thank you. I know breathing techniques and the relaxation methods and the kind of thing like, prayed my way down, but I was freaking out. But God gave me the grace to go to him. And I remember, it's like, God, this is way bigger than me. I can't pull this out. I don't know how to do this. And as I'm driving to meet with my board president, thinking he's going to tell me, yeah, that's nice, Dan, but that's not really going to work. And I want you to stay in Michigan. First thing out of his mouth was, well, I was wondering when you would say something like this. Okay. But as I'm driving there, God had mercy and he knew my fear. And he said, and I'm, I'm driving thinking, well, the only way this will ever work is if I do this, 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 this. And the Holy Spirit instantly downloaded the plan. And it worked. And the Holy Spirit sent me beautiful ministry team people that I couldn't have done that without. See, I grew up kind of a loner and, and, and I, I didn't know how to, I'm a horrible delegator. Sorry, guys. Thank God for Joan, right? The, the living waters coordinator. I'm a horrible delegator. I grew up having to do everything on my own. And the Lord said, yeah, this is bigger than you, Dan, but I'm going to send you a team of people that love you. You guys mean so much to me. There's some ministry team people sitting here, so that's why I'm getting all choked up. You guys seriously mean so much to me. And you as a church in Bethesda and, and Brother Barry, Brother Pat's encouragement in this whole process, that made it work. So God calls us something that, that's, that's beyond us, that's bigger than us, and he knows that. That's part of the plan. And God's going to call you out of your comfort zone. God's going to call you out of your comfort zone. Like, you know, that was way out of my comfort zone. You know, that one's the huge whopper. There's going to be some little out of your comfort zones here. 
And I remember when I started in the ministry, and by the way, if you're among these two groups I'll mention, please accept my apology now because God's worked in my heart and I want to repent for having the attitude I did back then. But when I started in the ministry and the Lord started speaking a few years after that to start really focusing and learning more on how to help people come out of sexual abuse, my daughter, at the same time I'm taking classes on sexual abuse recovery, one of my daughters who spoke this in the youth group, so you know, she made it public, said that told us she was sexually abused. And the bottom at home began to drop out. If you've ever had that happen in your family, it doesn't just affect the one that was abused. It was, it was hell, to be blunt, for, for, for a long time. And as this is going on at home, the Lord starts telling me, hey, I also want you to work with offenders. Uh, yeah, that's not the Lord. No, Dan, I want you to, to work with offenders. That's going to be your calling. That's going to be your purpose. I got ticked at God. I really did, folks. I remember driving to the office one day to go to my ministry job where I help people find the grace of God. Ticked off. I said, God, you can't possibly be asking me after what's happening to my daughter to work with offenders. You can't possibly. And the Lord was calm, even though I wasn't. I said, Dan, you Christians are really, really fond of saying, without the grace of God, there go I. So do you like really believe that? Or is that just a nice little cliche you guys say to make yourselves feel better? And then he began to remind me of all the things I did or wanted to do and couldn't figure out how to or tried to do. And it broke me. It's like, yeah, Lord, I can honestly say, truly say without the grace of God, there go I. And then the other group was post-surgery transgender people. It's like, okay, man, you know, as guys, we protect our anatomy. I don't understand this. I was terrified of women. I don't want to be one. And I like, Lord, no, I, I, I'm working with LGT people, right? And I, Lord, please help me. I, I don't want to do that. So I go to the Philippines for a training. And guess who's in my group? Post-operative transgender guy who had the surgery, presented as a woman, lived with a married man, married to a man for years came to Jesus and repented. But in that training, in the small group, I heard his heart. And I heard beyond the sin. And I heard the wounding there. And I saw the grace of the Holy Spirit to work there. And the Lord broke me. And I came back home and another individual who was born a man, had the surgery, lived with a guy as, as a couple for years and repented and came to Jesus, came to me for help. And by the grace of God, the Lord changed my heart. Had I not been open, I would have missed the blessing of seeing the Holy Spirit touch these dear people. And I want to tell you today, I have many, many beautiful trophies of grace, ministry friends who I love dearly, who are, who are offenders and they're repentant. And I see the grace of God there to change everyone. And, and, and those, those two guys that I knew that were post-op are trophies of grace living for Jesus. One of them is in the ministry in the Philippines now. And there is no one beyond the grace of the Holy Spirit as long as we are willing to let the Holy Spirit work in our heart. And if we're willing to do that, then God can use us and bless us as one of those people. And the next thing we need to do is ask God for help to look beyond their sin and see the heart of the people he sends your way. Yes, there's no excuse for sin. Sin needs to be repented of. But growing up as an abuse survivor, I understand how sin and our own reactions to it that we are accountable for can lead us to more sin. 
to try and numb the pain, whether it's alcohol or sex. And just like Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4 looked beyond her sin, which could have been a very awkward, condemning conversation, he spoke to the heart of what she's looking for. You're looking for the love of the Father. And let me tell you, you Samaritans can find it in me, the living water. And he moved in her heart. And, and again, it wasn't that she, she met Jesus at the fountain and wanted to go serve him. She heard the love of the Father at the fountain. And the fruit of that was that she bubbled over and told the whole town of the great things that God did. And so as we're stepping into this, and, and it's always, always, like, yeah, man, I wish we had like another half hour, an hour. Maybe you're thinking, I got a pot roast at home. But anyway, your pot roast will be fine. I'm almost done. As we step into what God has for us, we're going to receive opposition. We're going to receive opposition. And people won't understand. That's another reason why it's so important for us to have the intimate relationship with Jesus. And in this next slide, you can see where some of that opposition comes. It'll pop up in a second. The opposition can come from the church. The guy on the left, these guys uh, visited us at the uh, Restored Hope Network conference that we had in Minnesota in 2019. Sometimes the opposition comes from people who are presenting as church members, telling us that we're disobeying God and we're causing harm. Conversion therapy, which we, we actually don't do, that's a misnomer, and that's another long story, is spiritual violence, and, is, and it kills. No, the grace of God delivers from all sin, and protect trans kids. What he's saying is, no, we should not help a teenager be at peace with their chromosomal body, their, their physical body. We should give them cross-gender hormones and prepare them to amputate healthy body parts. So right is wrong, wrong is, wrong is right. But when we have that intimate relationship with Jesus, we hold on to that and we follow him. And we do that. John 15, 18 through 20. You can write this down and, and read it through later. John 15, 18 through 20. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. But I love Jesus in another section of scripture. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And yeah, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rocky at times. But as we love God, as we see the Holy Spirit move in, in people that the world may say are just fine, or people that the world may say and the church may say are beyond hope. We get the blessing of seeing the power of the Holy Spirit working before our very eyes. And that's the blessing of enter into your own personal harvest field. And what can you do? And two more important thoughts as we wrap up. Two more important thoughts is make sure you practice self-care. Because as you step into what harvest fields the Lord has for you personally and as a church you're going to have a big bullseye on your forehead. The enemy is not going to be happy that you're entering into the calling that God has for you. He's going to want to sideline you. Even preparing for this message, the last two weeks, please don't ask my wife how I was doing two weeks ago because I was giving her face palms. She's an angel. She prayed for me. Everything's fine. But I was driving her crazy because of the warfare and the opposition because the enemy doesn't want you to enter into your harvest field because you know what? As we see God move in the lives of others, doesn't that also give us encouragement to know that he can move in our own lives? And if he can do this for you, he can do this for you. And we get encouraged. 
So make sure that you practice that self-care. You have that time with Jesus. Even Jesus, as busy as he was, took time and at times tried to take time to be alone with the Father. People followed him. But he practiced self-care. And the one thing to remember as well, that true fulfillment comes as we live our lives devoted to the Lord. True fulfillment doesn't come as you serve God in ministry. I've been at this for over about 25-ish years. The ministry itself is a blessing. It's awesome. It's also an incredible responsibility, but it's not what fulfills us. Even those of you who have work a secular job and have those things, true ministry is not what fulfills you. It's that relationship with God. And that's what's important, to have that relationship, to love God and out of the fruit of loving God, he gives us the ability to enter into our calling in our own mission field. And I thank the Lord for that. And I want to thank you for the privilege of being with you today. Thank you again for joining and and being on this journey with us at Reconciliation Ministries and touching many hearts. And thank you for being on the journey with many, many other ministries and people. And I'm encouraging you, be on your own journey as well for your own individual personal mission field and harvest field because you all have them and you all can be very, very effective at sharing the love of Jesus Christ with a very hurting world. So thank you.